Hey everybody, it has been a second. Quite a second. I'm Timothy. Adrian is forcing me out of hiatus to talk about Paul McCartney 3 Yates. And today on the program, I have a very special guest, Adrian Connolly. And we are going to talk about Paul McCartney 3. Alright, so after uh, numerous amounts of technical difficulties... <laughs> <laughs> we're we're gonna try this again. This, this is the first time I've had like a call in guest on. I think I, I I'm pretty sure, but it's been uh yeah this has been really fun. Um, <laughs> Adrian is is honestly uh kind of a guinea pig right now because you know with this the whole pandemic thing. The other podcast I do, we haven't been able to finish an episode since September because we we don't want to like I mean we want to see each other, right? Like but <laughs> we can't. Uh and so <laughs> everybody's like we want to get this episode recorded before the end of the month and I was like, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to have Adrian come on speaking of nothing and we'll try to see if there's any way we can make this happen." All right. So, Adrian, I thank you for uh for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Timothy. And bearing fun. bearing with all of the technical difficulties, so we're talking about Paul McCartney three. Uh, we established mm-hmm. in a previously recorded uh, interview that no one will hear that you listened to the Beatles at the age of eleven, and I did as well. And you listened to yeah. Beatles one, and then we also established earlier that we both went to see Paul McCartney last year. Now, I appreciate Adrian; he's uh, the biggest Beatles fan I know, besides myself. And old guys on the internet. But uh, I, I really appreciate him because, you know what, it, it's not every day you meet a Beatle fan who I can be like, hey, you know what's a really cool song? Three Cool Cats, and they know what you're talking about. Yeah. Or, yeah, or the, all the anthology recordings. So, anyways. The, yep. Um, that's enough exposition, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, Paul McCartney has McCartney three that just came out the third McCartney record, which Mm -hmm. the McCartney records are all, um, Paul plays all the instruments on them. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're all self-produced. Right. And yeah. Um, first McCartney record had like, maybe I'm amazed on it. And uh, a couple versions of Beatle tracks that had been uh, previously recorded with the Beatles but not released. Um, probably some of Paul's weaker work, honestly. <laughs> Timothy was, uh, was uh, if you want it, here it is. Was that on that record? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Because he wrote that for Bad Finger, and then he went and cut, did it. Like, he cut it after, I, I don't, after the fact. You know what? I think he cut it, but I don't think it actually appears on a McCartney record. Because mm. I listened to it the other day, and I think I remember that because I know that song. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then Paul did McCartney 2 in 1993, mm-hmm. which, um, in my opinion, is a colossal piece of shit. Uh, you know what? That's fair. It's funny though because McCartney one got worse reviews initially than McCartney two. I yeah. Well, you know, it's. I think it's saying something when "Temporary Secretary" is about the only song I can tolerate on that album. 
Yeah, and that's, that's fair. <laughs> it doesn't you don't matter. like uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time, especially this time of year, Timothy. Is that that is that actually on McCartney three or was or McCartney two or was that? I thought that was recorded earlier, and there's just a. Re- I, my version that I pull up on my phone to irritate people is from McCartney two. Huh. I I is that I I. I can't say for certain, but I do like that song. But I thought yeah. that song came out in 1980. I think it did. Yeah, I, it feels like an 80s song, and it was, it was still with wings. It wasn't just McCartney's solo. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe there's just a remix of – because there's like four or five extended editions of like McCartney 2 for – because if you because people want more of it, I guess. Which is funny because it's such it's not a great album. Uh yeah, it's it's not. It's not a great album. But then McCartney three came out on Friday. Um mm-hmm. and uh it's a great record. It really is good. Um I don't know if you picked it up and if it'll be used from when we were talking before. But like I said, that's the best album he's put out since I've existed. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. I agreed. It's um, I was I did not have like going into it. I didn't have high expectations. Like um, I wasn't expecting much from another McCartney album, especially after Egypt Station. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was absolutely blown away. <laughs> the what stood out to me most was how well mixed everything was and every track was mixed differently but every track was well mixed yeah agreed like and it and the album flows really well and there's a good mix of songs on it too um you go ahead oh i was just gonna say that's the best vocal performance on that last track i've heard him do seriously since mid wings um, I think I know why. And the answer is? Um, well, I, I think we should go track by track and we can talk about it when we get there. Sure. Okay, cool. Um, so let's, let's dive into this. Let's do a track by track dissection. I'm pulling up the, uh, the track listing here. All right. So the first track is, uh, Long-Tailed Winterbird. I will, yeah. I, I'll let you give your initial thoughts first. So, at first, I was scared it was going to be a cover of Snowbird by Anne, Anne Murray. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a genuine thought that went through my head. But, my God, that's so cool. That intro riff, and then it, like, distorts into, like, I think it's probably a Mellotron or an organ holding down that pedal note, and then it goes into the uh, that palm-muted rhythm thing. You just get that was so. It's such a cool way to open an album. That is, uh, it it really it really is. Um, I I was really blown away by it at first. Um, another thing I I really really like about that song um is it's kind of long and it's mostly an instrumental, which uh all the McCartney albums have like a ton of instrumental tracks on them. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, it was a really solid opener, and I was like, all right, I'm in for a, a wild ride, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, this that this 
I seriously think this is his most creative album, just for sound sonically. I and um yeah, I didn't expect this out of a McCartney solo album. I expected more like acoustic stuff, but like right out of the gate, he's like kicking ass. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not this is gonna come off kind of condescending, but it feels like he put in a ton of effort. Yeah, even though he's like downplayed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next track, Find My Way. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. This is the track that has stood out least to me in my mind. Uh, I can think of Pretty Boys and Women and Wives and Laboratory Lil. But Find My Way, I mean, I'm looking at the iTunes thing right now, and it's got a star. It, it was the most forgettable track on the album, but it was still good. <laughs> I think it was it was good. You can kind of uh I think in that track you can kind of tell that he's, you know, a guy almost in his 80s. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, think of how much work Paul's voice has had put on it. Yeah. And to be able to hold a pitch anymore is something kind of remarkable to me. And that might just be my fanboy hat, but like yeah, man. He does sound old on that track. Now it's coming back to me. But it, it's not hard to listen to, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's not, like, difficult to listen to. And it doesn't sound like, I don't know, like, Hurt by Johnny Cash, where you were like, oh, man, this guy's gonna die. You know? Yeah. It's not like John Fine, where it's just a growl. Yeah. Um. And Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I like to find my way. I listened to it again today, and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a cool little song, and... It's it's lyrically solid too. I mean, it's lyrically solid as Paul McCartney ever is. So, so kind of spacing out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Pretty boys. I really liked Pretty Boys. It reminds me of something off of Revolver, but like an updated version. Oh, out of out of what? Off of a, like it could fit on Revolver, the oh. album. Yeah. yeah, you did say Revolver. I thought you said the Wall. I was like, what? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought it was a good track. I didn't take any like detailed notes about this, so um, <laughs> honestly, um, honestly, I didn't have have a whole lot to say about it other than it was, you know, kind of a more McCartney filler in my mind. Yeah. Um, what was the next track on here? Uh, Women and Wives. You want to kick this one off? Yeah, this one was okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Like, I know we've said the past, I mean, I've said the past three tracks and just been like, okay. But, I mean, it's not, at least to me, when I say it's okay, I mean, if it was anybody other than the party, it'd be a really great song. Yeah. But, like, he should fall another level. Yeah, true. Uh,. Do you want to go to Laboratory Lil? Uh, I, yeah. Okay, so this is the sequel to She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, right? Okay, so I have a, here's my hot take. I think this is about Heather Knowles. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I can kind of see that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my hot take. I have no proof of that, but, uh, yeah. If you, I can see this totally being a sequel to She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of 
of uh, when they were just kind of thumping around during one of these sessions. Yeah. So bare bones, rock and roll. Oh, yeah. But definitely a good song. A little long, but that's okay. Uh, this song has been stuck in my head for days. Honestly, it kind of, to me, like, uh, when I hear the title, I think of uh, that Jim Croce song, like, You Don't Mess Around With Jim. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you don't spit in the wind, you don't tug on Superman's cape, and you don't mess around with Lavatory Lil. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't mess around with Lavatory There's the remix we need for 2021 right there. Yeah. Um, I know you said Lavatory Lil's running long, but speaking of long, deep, deep feeling, that track, I think it's eight minutes. It's insanely long um, it moves yeah. it moves that's what kept me interested was it, it's not to overuse this analogy but it's like a chameleon it, it shifts throughout the track and it keeps your interest it's 8 minutes and 26 seconds long yeah which is really really lengthy for a Paul McCartney song yeah but uh, would you agree like it does keep your attention it's not like get on with it it doesn't feel like it's eight minutes. No. Um, it's really weird at this point in Paul McCartney's career for him to be like, I'm going to do an eight-minute song. You know, I was watching him or listening to him on Howard Stern, of all people, and he was talking about if this had been a, like an actual album album, for lack of a better word, that song would have been cut down to like three minutes. But he said since there were no constraints, he just left it as it was. That's amazing. Yeah. Paul McCartney really shouldn't have constraints. <laughs> no, no, he shouldn't have had he shouldn't have had constraints since like nineteen eighty. I mean the man proved himself yeah. time after time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much of you of this do you think because it says like Paul does it by himself. Like I would assume Paul McCartney is like, I don't, I don't know if he did this like recorded this via tape or something. But how much of this do you think like Paul's actually the one like doing all of the studio like mixing and stuff like that? Like, well, according to Paul, oh go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say according to Paul, he did it all. I believe, I believe that. Um, for sure, it's just weird to think, like when I think of people Paul McCartney's age, it's hard for me to imagine them like using pro tools you know what i mean i totally understand i mean my grandparents are only two years older than he is and they struggle with television yeah so like picture him doing this but i also think that's how he's played so young i mean you and i both saw all last year he moves around at his 40 oh yeah yeah i think i think that's part of it is he's kept his mind sharp by learning all this new tech yeah, well, I, that, I I think there's something to be said about the fact that Paul's always been kind of like, I want oh, yeah. to, uh, it's always, you know, he's been trying to stay relevant because, it, uh, forever, because, you know, he's he's always been a great pop star, but, like, he knows what he's talking about, and for him to, like, you know, when he, like, comes in and does, like, cut me some slack with, like, Dave Grohl and stuff like that, like, he still hangs, he can still hang. He's seen <laughs> Like a nice dude, like, you know, as normal as someone who's been a megastar since he was in his early 20s can be. Yeah. He seems super chill. 
Like, he doesn't seem hoity-toity. Yeah. So, the next track, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this wonderful song, which can, like, you know, just builds on to Paul McCartney's deep, deep tradition that started in 1968 of, of writing absolute fucking rockers about slides. <laughs> yeah, this song's great. It's the drums that I can. Like, that's... Yeah, no, it's the drums do sound like cannons, and what I love Paul McCartney drumming. <laughs> like, I am a sucker for like when I read something that Paul McCartney drummed on something, I'm like, I gotta hear what that sounds like. So like, back in the USSR and Dear Prudence, like, I love I love knowing that you know Paul played the drums on those songs, and also like I think he plays drums on all of Band on the Run too. Like, yeah. He's because he's not a bad drummer. <laughs> he's really not. Um, I'd say he's maybe a okay technical on a technical level. He's probably a maybe a step above Ringo. Like he's not Bonham, and I'm he never would claim to be Bonham, but like he holds his own very well when he's asked to do drums. Yeah, I don't know if he's a better drummer than Ringo, but like <laughs> I I think. If I think it's it, Paul McCartney is an insanely talented individual, and it's, it's it says a lot that he could have really played whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to retract my Ringo statement just so I don't get mauled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean he he was at least on the same playing field as Ringo. They're just stylistically different. But they, I was just not to sidetrack us too much. But he was on uh, television last night promoting this thing and he was saying he picked up the trumpet for the first time since he was a teenager and played Owen the Saints marching in for charity and it's raised like nine million bucks <laughs> wow if I picked up my trumpet now I could probably get fined nine million dollars there, there's a reason I don't play clarinet anymore <laughs> Sliding is by far my favorite track Paul McCartney has written in like I don't know, 30 years. <laughs> it, it really is a good song. Like, if somebody 40 years his junior had written us, this would be their comeback song. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's insane how good it is. Like, you could, you could put Sliding on, like, Venus and Mars or Band on the Run, and it would fit in fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be a big jolt in either of those albums, but it's the same quality. It's so... It's so aggressive, too. Like, I was not expecting... Like, out of a Paul McCartney solo album, I was really expecting more of a singer-songwriter type thing, kind of like When Winter Comes at the end of the yeah. album. But to yeah. hear that is is... Something I really like. And I, I love albums where there's one musician and they play tons and tons of instruments because to me it's always – it's something that's really impressive. And I've – Paul's impressed me again. <laughs> He's, and he screams on that track and it doesn't sound unhealthy like – I mean, you know, there's some moments if you ever watch him on YouTube, but when he's live, or you can tell he's struggling with the screams now. But man, he sounds good. Yeah, he really does. The Kiss of Venus is the next track. 
I love the melody on this track. That's what the cute the beat is. Da, 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 da. That's great. Like the melody on this, the hook's really, really strong. Uh, the hook for this kind of sounds like that song that goes, "Somebody come get her. She's dancing like a stripper." Oh my god, no, <laughs> no! I hear it now and I hate you. Yeah, I've really. Uh, very good melody, but that's what I thought of the first time I heard it. <laughs> you ruined the song for me, Timothy. <laughs> nothing, nothing against the song. That's just what I hear. Uh, in in all sincerity, uh, Kiss of Venus is also closer to what I thought this was going to be. I thought this album was going to be like a run through of mid sixties Beatles, like real light distortion guitars and acoustic stuff. Uh, but yeah. this is closer to what it would have been in my head. Absolutely, I absolutely yeah. it. But if he would have made an album where every song sounds like this, I think I still would have liked it. But I wouldn't have the same amount of praise that I have for it now. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this when we get all the way through, but the variety on this album is impeccable. Yeah, really, really is. Um, I don't really have that much to say about Seize the Day or Deep Down, other than I really liked the tracks. <laughs> I like the message of Seize the Day, and Deep Down's got some cool uh, instrumentation on it. I mean, I know we're just lumping them together, but... Again, good tracks. Any other artist would be like these standout tracks on the record, but it's McCartney, and we've talked about how great Sliding is. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I yeah, seize the day was it was a good song, it, and uh, his message was, um, it, you know, it's, it's like on that is is uh, it's more positive than I don't know. Did you did you read about what Eric Clapton and Van Morrison just did? <laughs> they did something. They did something together. They released like an anti-mask song. <laughs> they released an anti-mask song. Are you serious? Yeah, like like a a song about like not being afraid of the coronavirus and stuff. It is very stupid, and it's another dumb thing Eric Clapton is talking. <laughs> Eric Clapton since like 1995 has done nothing but try and tarnish his career and personal standing in the world. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll never forget my, my I think it was my friends my parents uh, going to try, see him at the mark and they were so pissed because he just did blues covers the entire night my parents also went and I was mad that they didn't take me but they, they told me you know it was a date night and I wasn't supposed to come but I said it's Eric Clapton and I'm never going to get a chance to see him again and now I'm okay with that yeah, that's very disheartening. I really like Van Morrison's voice, too. Well, Van Morrison doesn't actually sing on it. Eric Clapton sings on it, but Van Morrison wrote it. Okay, that just pisses me off even more. Because, like, the fact that Van Morrison wrote it is irritating, but the fact that he's either too busy or too lazy to sing on it is even more irritating. It's it's very irritating, but it's nice to hear Paul McCartney say something that, like, makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the message of, like... Uh, not being super anxious about the future and just focusing on what today will bring and using your time in the present. That's a really nice message right now. I don't know about you, Timothy, but like I go through manic highs and manic lows as of right now. I don't know where my life's going. Yeah. 
And I'm I'm six years older than you, and I'm still doing that. So you have a lot to look forward to. Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> you have a real job. You know, I'm the one out here trying to do the music thing. You have a real job. So. <laughs> I, I work at a music store. I wouldn't call that a real job. <laughs> <laughs> but people pay you to be there. <laughs> yeah, people pay me to be there and talk to you for an hour and a half. And you know what's funny is I don't think Ben really cares that much. <laughs> I, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Um, so, <laughs> let's <laughs> deep down is uh, deep down's a really good song as well. Uh, honestly, I can't. I, I've I only list, I've only listened to the record all the way through like three times. I, I can't remember a lot, and I wish I would have taken notes. But um, I remember it reminded me of like. This is an obscure reference for all you non-Beatles fans out there, but Sea of Holes. Ooh. Yeah. And I don't know why. I like the Sea of Holes. That's the one that's yeah. like... Doo, 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 all y'all need to go listen to uh, the George Martin tracks off of the Yellow Submarine. They're like actually pretty good. They are pretty good. I used to spend a lot of my time in like life hating Yellow Submarine. And then I realized that, like, George's – I think George has two songs on there that are, yep. like, his best songs. Well, two of his best songs with the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, it's All Too Much and uh, – what's the other song? Northern Song. Yes. It's only a northern song. Um, That's literally a middle finger to the production company. Yeah. And it's on uh, it's on Yellow Submarine. <laughs> Yeah. Also, Hey Bulldog, which is not a George song, that's but a great song. One of my favorite Beatles songs. That's that was uh, that was Hey Bulldog originally, and because uh, Lennon couldn't read McCartney's handwriting or something like that, it got changed to Bulldog, and that worked. I always remember, like when I was a kid, watching the video promotional video for that, and yeah. people talking about that if this song had come out now, that. John would have said, what's up, dog, in at the end. And I'm like, now I always think of John saying, what's up, dog, and Paul McCartney saying, not much, what's up with you? Yeah. That just made me, that sounded like a Kyle quote to me. You can say it. What's up, dog? Um, deep down, da- yeah. yeah, deep down was good. But okay, so you mentioned George Martin, Sea of Holes. So when yep. winter comes... Uh, there is a production note on Wikipedia that says that When Winter Comes was produced by the late George Martin. Ooh. So um, When Winter Comes, and then what you mentioned earlier is Paul McCartney's vocal performance on that is, is, be- is really, really good. That's because it was actually recorded previously with George Martin, like years ago. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because he sounds, I mean... One of the reasons I love Paul, and I know, like, he's old now. Like, his voice when he was young was just out of this world, superb. Yeah. And so many, he could do so many different things with his voice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always said there's, like, seven voices in McCartney. There's the, the Kansas City voice. There's the Helter Skelter. There's Get Back. There's Early Beatles Paul. There's Yesterday Paul. You know, he's done mm. so many different things. Yeah, he, he he really does does it all. My my personal favorite 
Paul McCartney voice, which I think is the most annoying one, is the she's a woman voice. Oh, I don't mind that voice because it's so intense that and that delivery is so good on every line. Yeah. Hard to replicate. Um, my personal favorite is the Wings Across America tour voice, like 76. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently that just destroys his live voice. Yeah, I, I can imagine it would. Yeah. Well, that that's the record. That's McCartney 3. And again, like you said, best McCartney album in a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go, go listen to it, everybody. It's, like, it's really good. This is why um, I always make a big stink about this in December. I really hate when people publish their best of year lists at the beginning of the month <laughs> because you never know what's going to come out in December <laughs> that could be well, a great record like you have this record that came out the 18th you know Pitchfork had already produ- put out all their year in lists and like on the 11th Taylor Swift surprise dropped a new album yeah, I was hoping you were going to get to this because I finally found out the answer to what the heck was going on. Okay, I'll set. Let uh, me set up the question. So, uh, Paul McCartney's album was supposed to come out on the 11th, but it didn't. But Taylor Swift surprise dropped an album on the 11th, but and Paul moved his record release to the 18th. But I saw an article that said that Paul had that Taylor had moved her album release. Oh, what's going on? So what I finally found out, and this is from the same Stern interview, is those two had been flip-flopping their release dates literally since, I think, September or October and trying to out-polite each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what went down there, and eventually McCartney won the politeness competition and Taylor dropped her album first. Oh, gotcha, because they didn't want to drop the album on the same day. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, they literally, Paul said that's how the music community still works. People that are on similar levels don't want to detract from each other. And it's not like uh, a studio interference thing. It's truly a respect between artists, which is pretty cool to hear. Yeah. I still haven't read that that interview between Taylor and Paul. I'm going to have to get to that as a big Taylor Swift fan and a big Paul McCartney fan. Um, I really like that she remembers the party that Dave Grawl was at with them, and she saved Dave Grawl's butt by playing Everlong a piano. Uh, yeah, I've heard that story from Dave. On something. Uh, yeah. Not like personally. Yeah, like, I don't know Dave Grawl, but like. <laughs> I'm not shocked that Dave can't play piano, but at the same time, if he did, it would be a really cool surprise about Dave Grawl. I can't imagine Dave Grohl on a piano. I just picture Jerry Lee Lewis, but only using his fist. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis played at Riot Fest two years ago, and uh, they had a circle pit for Great Balls of Fire, and it was a. Uh, my friend went and said it was a, one of the most surreal things he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> I would love to see Jerry Lee Lewis just cart his old butt out there for 20 minutes and do his three hits, and that'd be great. That's exactly what happened. 
I guess he played an entire set, but like he like walked out on a cane with a cane, didn't talk to the audience, played his songs. He played Great Balls of Fire, and all the punks formed this giant circle pit. And then before the song was over, he got up and his band kept playing, and he hobbled off stage with his cane. And the bassist walked up to the mic and said, Jerry Lee Lewis, everybody. And everyone went, ah! Did he at least, like, flip the bench over or anything? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he did. I I hope he at least, like, beat the cramp on the piano with his cane or something. Just symbolic. <laughs> that would have been would have been interesting. Yeah, I mean, I saw Leon Russell right before he died, and he was rough, but man, he could still play. Yeah, that would have been a cool. That'd be a cool show. Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, he did a bunch of stuff that he played on, but weren't technically his songs. Like uh, he did Wild Horses, and that was really cool to see. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's uh, in Wild Horses. <laughs> yeah, everybody. My dad hates Wild Horses. He's very upset when that song got played. I'm not going to say that, like, I hate Wild Horses, but if I never heard it again, I think I'd be okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is not my favorite song. (laughs) I feel like that about that stupid Wham Christmas song. (laughs) Oh, I lost Whamageddon. Did you hear about Whamageddon? What's Whamageddon? Somebody was, uh, somebody invented a game on TikTok of all places, uh, called Whamageddon. And the object of the game is to go as long as you can, uh, from December 1st to 1259 on Christmas Eve without hearing Last Christmas by Wham. And I was doing great. I had 10 days left to go and I was watching the news and they played it. And I was like, son of a gun. God damn it. You know, when you said Whamageddon, my brain immediately went to Festivus, and then I cut to Jerry Stiller singing Last Christmas in my head. (laughs) Well, I've got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. (laughs) Well, Adrian, we are at 35 minutes, so I think think we got to cut the conversation loose here, but you want to give your final thoughts, and I would like to invite you to, if you can, give a 1 to 19 rating on this album. A 1 to 19? Yep. 19 being the best. I'm going to give it a strong 15, only because of the forgettableness of some of those tracks that we talked about. Again, not bad tracks, just didn't stand out. I, I would also give it a 15. Timothy will become a one mind. We we're thinking the same. We're thinking the same way. I I, I was thinking of fifteen initially. Yeah, I'm I'm cursed by the nineteen scale, but yeah, it's I, I'm thinking fifteen is a is a solid score for this. Now, Timothy, just just for the audience, what would you give the other McCartney records? The other McCartney records, I yeah. would I would give I don't know because McCartney to me has a lot of nostalgia attached to it because it was one of the first Paul McCartney solo records I bought when I was like you know a teenager. Um, yeah. I would probably give the first McCartney album a fourteen. 
Um, and McCartney too, I would probably give a six. <laughs> Maybe well, a seven if spicy. I'm feeling spicy. If you're feeling spicy. <laughs> what, what, what would you give the other two McCartney records? So just because I love Maybe I'm Amazed, I mean, like truly with all my heart, if I ever hit big time, I'm going to play that song every night. Uh, I I got to give that record at least a 14 just because that song exists on there. Yeah. Now, if there was a version of Teddy Boy with John Lennon heckling Paul McCartney, that'd be a 20 out of 19. <laughs> I... <laughs> I do love I do love John Lennon heckling Paul McCartney when he's um, doing his and grand no, music. I have no strong opinion towards McCartney uh, too, so I'm gonna just go right down the middle and give it a nine and a half. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Adrian, anything you would like to plug? Anything you have coming up? I would like to plug that I have a record coming out in June that I'm doing with all my friends. It's my first foray into the musical world as an artist. Uh, hopefully, I don't have to do like any real work ever in my life, and I've somehow escaped that. But uh, we'll see if this is a dud or not. Well, I I wish you all the best. And uh, the song you sent me uh, a couple seconds ago, I listened to. I was setting stuff up, and that was a that was a real banger. Thank you. I'm glad you liked that. Um, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm going to put out. It's not going to be all bad boy acoustic hours like that, but uh, oh, I get, I'll I, tell you what. Go ahead. If I can follow in the shadow of this McCarthy three, I'll be very happy. That would be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Adrian Connolly, everybody, thank you so much, and I will probably see you at the store next week. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you will. I would love to do this again sometime. Oh, yeah, well, you brought me out of retirement, so I'm definitely going to have to call you several times to make you do this. <laughs> No, really, I'd be great. I'd love to do this. If you wanted to do this full-time, I would be happy to be your little co-anchor, and we could, like, kick an album around once a week. That sounds fun. All right, I'll talk to you later, Adrian. All right, see you, Timothy. See you. Bye-bye. Connolly, everybody, thank you for putting up with uh, all of these technical difficulties throughout the show. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Adrian's cool, and I've always really, uh, really had fun hanging out with him. This is the first time we've hung out like outside of work, other than going to uh, uh, Paul McCartney show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, Adrian has brought me back to do more episodes of Speaking of Nothing. So I might be doing some more episodes of Speaking of Nothing. I Right now I'm working on doing a, bro, a blog, blog, blog entry for um, – I'm working on making a um, year-end list of all the albums I bought this year because there's a ton of records I like this year. 2020 was really a, a pretty good year for music, and I'll probably do uh, one short, short episode – Maybe just on a few of those records, but there's going to be a very 
kind of lengthy blog post I've been working on for the last couple weeks, just ba- mainly talking about my experiences with the albums that have come out this year and um, why I like them. Uh, until next time, this has been Speaking of Nothing. Good night and drive home safely. Yeah.